So once again, good evening everybody. Good evening. That's uh, kind of in India, Middle East. Almost midnight or past midnight in New York. Australia, good afternoon. And uh, Australia's night actually. They're ahead of us by seven hours. Oh yes, they are ahead of night. Us. US should be morning. Morning, right? morning. yes. Okay. <laughs> good morning, good afternoon, good evening, good night. <laughs> okay, don't fall asleep in Australia. Finish, stick to NA and then God give you rest. We just thank you. We have so many testimonies of the prayers the, what God is doing. It's even now while we were <laughs> waiting worship, we got a testimony of answer to God's prayer. Hmm. So wonderful to see kids coming back home, eight years on the streets, and the mother prays. Elsa prays, the mother agrees, and the child comes after eight years home. I mean, it's awesome. We need to believe. I wish I could read out all the testimonies, but sometimes it is not so safe because there are so many enemies who hate the things that God do. But just want to encourage you, we have a God who answers prayers that look impossible. Think about a mother who's lost her child for eight years. Ten years? Eight years? Eighteen, uh, eighty, eight years. Eight years. And it then walks in today. Ten years. Uh, she's, since ten years old, she was gone. Yeah. Eight years later, she came. Yeah. Eight years later. Today, she came back home and answered the prayer. And the mother is so excited. You know? So, we just thank God. We just thank God. Prayers, answers from all around the world. We are getting it. We just thank God. Just believe. Just believe that God, God is good and He will answer. And... Uh, as we go to the Q&A, there are a lot of questions and some of the questions in its totality, we will not be able to read it out because it's dangerous. And also say many of some of these dangerous questions are anonymous. We do not actually know the exact identity of these people and it's good that we do not know and as soon as the questions come, uh, we copy it and then we delete the mail itself from where it came. So. But we will try to frame it in such a way that it can be spoken and answer these questions because this is true for so many people. So before we start, Pastor Vijay, would you pray and then we'll go to question number one. Father in heaven, we just want to thank you once again for this opportunity that you've given to us. Thank you, Lord. Father, our hearts are filled with joy to see so many people, Father, coming back to you. Father, your word is so true that you, in the last days that you will turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. We thank you, Father. And this time, O oh Lord, even as we go through this time of questions and answers, I pray, Father, that you'd grant us a spirit of wisdom and revelation, that your Holy Spirit would guide us, that you would keep us from error, that you would anoint us afresh to speak, to hear, to receive whatever, O oh Lord, Father, you have given to us as your children, O oh Lord. And this evening, O oh Lord, we surrender this entire time into your hands. Let your name be exalted and glorified through every session. We thank you, we praise you, for in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. Amen. And as we go to the questions, one of the things which I want <coughs> to tell all those who send the questions, like, you no, know, we are like two doctors sitting in an OPD. And... Uh, when we know we have limited time and you have 15 patients, you would prefer the critical cases to come first. Mm -hmm. you know? Some of are just uh, theological questions, curiosity questions. Some are desperate questions. So preferably we would like to answer. So those who send theological questions, uh, you may not get your answer today, but one day we will answer or you will write and say, I already got the answer. Thank you. God spoke to me. 
but we will go like you know, some of those questions needed to be tackled first. First question, we'll, we'll say, why did God tell us we have been forgiven, took it all on the cross, then you find out if you do it again, you have lost your salvation is a question. Is it, have I lost our salvation? Have I lost my salvation? Is that true? Or, it, or is it sometimes, some pastors just twist the word of God? Okay, first, uh, first let me, I guess a lot of people, Christians, do have this nagging doubt in their hearts about this one thing. Let me explain to us where this confusion comes from. If you go to Psalm 51 and verse uh, 5, Psalm 51 and verse 5, this is how we were all born. I was brought forth in iniquity and in sin my mother conceived me, which basically means I was born with the fallen Adamic nature. The Adamic nature, the fallen nature, has both good and evil, but primarily I was born in sin, and I am a sinner by nature who also does good works. So there is also good in me. I am not completely evil. There is no man who is completely evil like that, because good is also, like we say, the most wicked man also has good. He does good to his own. Okay, He does the good to his own, his own family, his own friends. So, But I am evil. In the sense, I'm born in the sin nature and I do good things. Okay. Now, when he, God is talking about salvation, unlike other religions, which is all trying to do good works and hoping your good works will outweigh your evil works, it's at the end of every religion. Every religion. And that is not salvation. Because when you're talking about salvation, you're meeting the standard of God. Mm. God is without evil, without sin, absolutely holy, pure, righteous. So that is the standard of salvation, which is Jesus Christ. So when God is talking about salvation, first, the wages of sin is death. That penalty has to be paid. Simply, we know Jesus lived that. He took that penalty. Now, when I believe and I repent and believe in the work of Jesus Christ, what happens is First Peter chapter <coughs> 1, verse 23 is happening. That is what Jesus is telling a good man, a really good man, Nicodemus, unless you are born again. Of the water and the spirit. The water being the word of God. And the spirit being the Holy Spirit. He says when you do that something happens inside. Your inner core nature changes. Mm, yes. You have been born again not of corruptible seed. That is the seed of man. Mm. The seed of Adam. That was the corruptible seed. But of the incorruptible. That is the seed of God. Through the word of God which lives and abides forever. So now what has happened is. Now I have been born again of God, through the word of God and through the spirit of God. My inner core nature has changed. The old nature is there, but I have a new nature. That's what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17 means. Mm. Positionally, this is my condition at the point of my rebirth. If anyone is in Christ Jesus, irrespective of who you are, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have been made new. That is, God doesn't even consider your old things. It's all gone away. Now what is happening is the old nature is still there. But the difference is now when I fall, it is not the sinner who is sinning. It's a righteous man who is sinning. There's a difference. The man inside has been declared righteous by God, born again of God by the Spirit. Okay, 
It's a righteous man who is sinning and immediately there is a conflict within. Yes, yes. And God says, repent. That's You go back. You realize this is not who I am. Mm. This is not who I am. This is not Amen. who I am supposed Amen. to be. Mm. So you go back to God. You ask for mercy and you get forgiveness. The only problem what happens is, is um, Romans 6 uh, and verse 14. What people don't realize is, this is why it's called the age of grace. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under law, but under grace. The very factor of grace is that God, grace is able to save you to the uttermost. That you are supposed to go back to God, not only for forgiveness. That's what um, uh, Hebrews 4.16 talks about. Come boldly. Con yeah, let's put 4.16 over there. It's a beautiful verse, which will put it in the context of this particular question. Okay. Let us therefore boldly come boldly to the throne room of grace. Why? Because you are a righteous. You are a child of God. That's where the boldness comes. Mm. You come through the blood and the blood. You, you are not a slave mm. like in the old covenant. You are a child. You come to your father and you receive mercy. Mm -hmm. Mercy is for what? The sin you have committed. You went off because the old nature is still pushing you. You don't know how to overcome. You are struggling. You fall. You get up and you come back to God. And the father first says, Forgiven. Forgiven. And yes. then the second thing people forget, to find grace to help in time, time of need. That's the second part. That mm. is what we have to learn. Mm. Lord, give me grace so that I don't fall in that same area again. And when we practice that, you will realize you are overcoming sin. And this is what Jesus says. He is able to save us. save us to the uttermost. So please don't ever get it wrong. If you are truly born again, and you sin, you have lost your salvation. No, then mm. salvation is of works. But the danger is that you can take it lightly too. And you can go that road, never asking for mercy, never coming back, never overcoming, and thinking, oh, once I went through this, so I am saved. And that's a dangerous thing. That's a very, very dangerous thing. So we have to balance between this both. Let's go to 1 John. Mm, chapter 3. Yeah, chapter 3. Verses 5 and 6. Yeah. You know that he was manifested to take away our sins, and in him there is no sin. Okay, and verse 6. Whoever abides him does not sin. Whoever sins has neither seen him or nor known him. Can I have it in NIV? That will make it a little more, little more simpler. No one in who lives in him keeps on sinning. Okay, you will not continue practicing that because you realize there's a conflict within you. You are living in him. That also means he is living in you. Mm. And uh, he's going to be uncomfortable and you are also going to be uncomfortable. You're going to be uncomfortable. Okay? It is not like the sinner who sins. It is the righteous man who sins. That's the difference. David is very, very uncomfortable. He's miserable. Okay? The prodigal son doesn't matter how far he has gone. Once he hits the rock bottom, he comes to his senses. And what he realizes is father's house. This is not the norm. Mm. This is not to be Amen. accepted. There Amen. is something that is different. And mm. he begins. This. And when he comes back, the father shows mercy and gives him grace. Okay? That's what the Bible is talking about. So don't live under. That's what also, let's go to Romans 8, 1 and 2. You can have NIV itself. It's fine. Therefore, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Oh, okay, NIV has eaten away, right? Yeah, yes, yes. Yeah, please go to NKJV. NIV has a habit of eating scripture. 
There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. How? Who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. Remember, when you are walking according to the spirit, it does not mean you overcome 24-7. It also means he leads you to repentance and to mercy. When people say, according to the spirit means, oh, I fell today. That means I was not walking in the spirit. No. The only man who ever walked like that was Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Okay? But when you are walking in the spirit, the spirit convicts you of your sin, leads you to the Father. You receive, you confess your sins, you receive your mercy, and you receive your grace, and you keep on moving on. And Jesus was asked this rhetorical question, how many times should I forgive my brother? Mm -hmm. Jesus said seven times, seventy. If that is the forgiveness God expects from a brother on earth, what is the kind of forgiveness you receive from God? It's a man's level of forgiveness more than that of God. Okay, so we need to realize, because we really have to comfort people who have lived, let us say, in ignorance, a life of sin, and then comes out. This struggle is something which we will not understand. Okay, like, like a child who grew up in an extremely dysfunctional family, and then a child who has grown in a very normal, loving, kind family, their struggles when they come out to the world is very easy. Mm. So different, not mm. easy, so different. These two children sitting in the classroom will react differently to the teacher. The teacher needs to know where they are coming from and they don't deal with them the same way. Mm. Okay, so we as servants of God has to be very, very careful how we talk to people. And that's why when you see Jesus was very tough with the religious leaders, the Pharisees, he was very gentle with the sinners. Very gentle with the sinners. And most of them were tax collectors, living in condemnation and contempt and the prostitutes. And he says, they're all getting in. And that's what scripture talks about. A smoking flax he will not put out. A bruised reed he will not break. But when they come into the kingdom of God, we will be firm with them. They may mistake it as being, being tough, but we are being firm. Because we are looking at the dysfunctional child and the normal child. We are telling them both. This is the possibility if you have, if you study well, you can make your future. The race is the same for both. If you overcome, this guy also has to overcome. This guy also has to overcome. But sometimes this guy overcomes better than this guy because he has experienced the power of mercy. Well, this guy takes mercy for granted. Mercy for granted. Mercy for granted because you know that's why Jesus says, He who has been forgiven, forgiven much, much loves, much. loves more. Amen. The difference Amen. between the Pharisee and the poor woman who washed his feet Hallelujah. with her tears. So we have to look at it mm. that way. It's not that you sin, you lose your salvation. Mm. No, you don't. But look into your heart. Is there conviction? Is the Holy Spirit still speaking to you? Don't quench his voice. Mm. Don't quench his voice. Follow him. You will overcome. So don't stop at mercy. People stop at mercy. The, the fundamental mistake they make is in Hebrews 4.16. They stop with mercy and they don't go onward to grace. And scripture says, it's by grace we overcome mm. because we are no longer under the law. That we may obtain mercy and what do we? We find grace to help in time of need. need. And we need to realize our need is not food or water or clothes or a job. Our greatest need is to overcome yes. sin. Yes. Amen. The rest, God said, I will provide. What are you worried about those things? Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That is what? Overcoming sin. Mm -hmm. That's my greatest need. And grace is given for that. If grace can save me a sinner, can't it save me to the uttermost? Okay? Yes. It's also the fact that when uh, you, become a be be you become a believer, you have an increased 
sensitivity to sin, right? It's also the depends upon how you come in. All depends upon the church. Hmm. All depends upon the church. Churches also, the atmosphere also matters. Atmosphere also matters because it depends. Okay, it depends upon like you know certain houses you walk in. You want to leave your footwear outside. It looks like antiseptic setup. No, you don't feel. You feel <laughs> uncomfortable in that kind of setting. Some houses you go, you feel like you can wear your muddy shoes also inside. Okay, meaning you have to look at it. You have to balance holiness and mercy. Mm. Okay, God talks about that. Justice and mercy has to be balanced. You have to balance the kindness of God I and the sin. You have to balance it. Only God can do it. Therefore, the spirit of God is needed because sometimes what happens, we'll flip over to this time, the this thing of severity. And we can flip over to the side of kindness. We have to always balance it. This is who God is. And Jesus was that. He walked across and he saw the balance. He never condoned sin. Mm. Condoned sin. Never condoned sin. Yet he was the most merciful man. The kind of people you would never say, go, you are forgiven. He told them. You wouldn't. We will say, no, we will wait and see. Like a woman caught in the act of adultery. No modern day preacher would say, like, I will check you out, I'll wait, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see, we'll see. Let me know whether you are saved or not. Jesus said, Go, he forgave. I don't condemn you. Don't sin again. Okay. And only he could do that. Only he could do that. Only he could do that. Okay, so please be very, very, very careful about it. Okay. We don't go on overboard on either side and ask God's spirit, Lord, teach me to walk the way you walk. Yes, Pastor Vijay. Next so, question. Because it's the same line, on the same lines, question number six will say, six. will say, three of my friends are struggling with COVID-19 for three months. It comes and it goes. They get well. They're all in their 40s, all male. None of them believed, all atheists. The day they believed, they got it with COVID. <laughs> they know it is the enemy. But the question, could it be sin? It comes and goes every month. Do they need to do anything other than repent? Do they need to fast? Although now they are so weak, but they say they keep hearing some things come through only fasting and prayer. You see, when it comes to these, uh, am I clear? Yeah. When I come to these kind of things, uh, we cannot give you a one cap fits all head kind of an answer. Okay. And we do not want to be feel like we are condemning anybody too. But... Uh, there are a lot of stuff which we do not understand. Uh, like, it's like a doctor would look at a patient with all the symptoms and uh, he would still ask for, like today especially, unlike old days, because we didn't have the facility. In the old, uh, old days, they would just give you your medication, but today they ask for all the reports to be done. Because, or, and then they, based on that reports, they make a decision. In the same way, only God knows the reports. Mm-hmm. What is causing this? Like you, you mentioned, they were all atheists. The day they believed, they, they got COVID. Now, it could be a coincidence. It could be a coincidence. Or it could be also the enemy attacks you on that day. Okay? And I've seen it happening in many godly people's lives. And God allows it. Okay, God allows it. Okay, uh, so I cannot... Say in every case that is so. It could be coincidence. 
it could be the devil attacks you because you belong to him and now you come on to the other side and you are attacked you open because disease comes from the devil mm. it is but also we know god is sovereign so we know job was attacked from head to foot but we know god allowed it to happen so there are so many things over here we do not know it comes and goes every month okay like when it comes to covid nobody knows anything fully of nobody is sure if the whole world is being tested with different formats nobody is very sure about it okay do they need to do anything other than repent one thing you have to do is like no you have you you have to repent ask the spirit of god you have repented you have believed and if the spirit of god shows you something specific like what we call the bible says if you break the hedge the snake bites you so if there are areas where you have broken the hedge the spirit of god is the only one who can show you i just before while i was shaving or just listening to uh my my personal favorite derek prince and if any one of you can get hooked on to derek prince then you are a good listener because he's got the most boring monotone voice mm-hmm. ever mm-hmm. okay but it's an incredible teacher incredible teacher so i would i would recommend derek prince to anybody who is listening but it will take a real dedication to consistently listen to him so 50 years he was he was just giving a testimony he says 50 years in the ministry he said and he said i was never a rebel and never backslid wow, never backslid i was once i got saved i was always on the road and he says they took a six month sabbatical they were thinking they're going to have a great time in the lord and all he says god spoke to me during those Quiet. season and showed him sins as far as back 35 years and lord and asked him to confess and come out of it okay it's it it's like hurdles it's only as you go further and further with god a lot of things god will not show me or you now it's only when we go that's what romans 12 talks about no look at romans 12 and verse 1 oh boy what an awesome <laughs> romans 12 verse 1 i oh sorry sorry 13 1 what what about pastor Oh, not romans uh, uh, hebrews 12 what i'm sorry i'm sorry hebrews 12 hebrews 12 see okay therefore also since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses let us lay aside every weight mm. and the sin which so easily snares us okay there are two things over weight most of these weights and sins we will not understand unless we are running that race mm. and as we go further and further in the race god will make you lighter and lighter and lighter lighter and lighter and lighter okay if you are running a 100 meter dash at your school level the instructions are different okay university level instructions are different state level instructions are le- national level it is but if you are running for the olympics you know what your coach will do to you everything is custom made including your clothes your shoes your hair everything is custom made to see it is the lightest it does not obstruct the wind it gives you the maximum potential to finish your race first okay so as you're moving forward and for a lot of people are just very this is one of the reason a lot of people are very happy with their spiritual lives because they are not in the race they're not even in the race 
If you are in the race, only God can show you the weight and the sin in your life. And you will see godly men, godly men. That's what Paul is talking about in Philippians, in one of the most godly men who ever lived. He's still, still not over, still not over, still not over, still not over. Still, he's still not realizing there are so many things and God is showing him, one showing thing, him, hmm. showing him, showing him. By the time he comes to Timothy, Second Timothy, end of his life only, he's able to say, I have finished. So this is what it is talking about. You know, as they move forward with God, he will show these things. And many of you are new believers, new believers, okay? And uh, God will show you stuff which are big, big things, okay? Big things. So like, it's like the <clears throat> guy who went to this saint and said, I want to be your disciple. He said, okay, join. So he packed up and came and he said, <clears throat> so the first day he said, teach me something. He said, keep quiet. So he didn't say anything. Second day he came again. He said, Master, teach me something. He said, keep quiet. Okay, third day he came. He said, keep quiet. Seventh day he came and he said, I'm packing and going. He said, I thought you would teach me something, but you didn't teach me anything. He said, you didn't learn the first lesson I told you the first day. It was to keep quiet. Okay. Sometimes we don't even realize why we haven't gone forward because we even haven't learned the fundamental lessons of God. Or we have just learned the first elementary teachings of Christ in Hebrews 6 and we are very happy. But we don't even realize there is, it's like Isaac Newton when there was somebody was complimenting him about his knowledge. He said, I'm like a little child who's taken a basin of water from the ocean and the entire ocean of knowledge stretches before me. All I have is this. Okay. We are trying to talk about God here. What is this race? What is this race? Paul puts it very clearly what the race is. It is not the crown. It is not the throne. It is getting hold of Christ. For what Christ took hold of him. Amen. That is the race. Unless you see it like that, Mm. you will not understand it. That is his passion. And that passion, God has to give it to us. So even when you are looking at all those things, the Spirit of God is saying, fast and pray. And if you are weak, you definitely have to go by your medical advice, take all the things which you need to do, and ask God, what do I need to fast from? But some people do not need to, need to like uh, Sister Anne. I just thank God for Sister Anne today. The Holy Spirit was working through her, and God was speaking through her, and setting free people from who have eating disorder. Uh, much of eating disorder is connected with depression, and people don't realize that depressive people eat a lot. Okay, and they became obese, which leads to sicknesses. And some people do not have eating disorder. Some people are not even bothered about food. Okay, so some of you who have written this letter may not need to fast from food. You may need to fast from something else. You need to fast from something else. And you need to pray is common. Fasting is not necessarily. If you read Isaiah 56, God will say, 58, read today. Brother, please read Isaiah. No, 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 I'm not going there. I'm telling the brother who asked this question, read Isaiah 58 and say, Lord, this is the fasting which you approve. Mm. Ask me what to fast from. Some people just need to throw their gadgets away for a week, seven-day mm. fast, social mm. media. Stay away from it. And use it only for God's stuff. Just, just stop it. Okay. Some people need to zip their lips. That's all. I'm fasting from conversation for seven days. 
what I talk, I'm going to talk to God, I'm going to talk about God, I'm not going to talk anything else. And suddenly you realize everything becomes calm mm. in your mind seven days. You know, a lot of things are there. You need to ask from God. Some people, it may be TV. You know, you know people are addicted to TVs. You know, and uh, I have to ask God, what do you need me to fast from? And obey that. And uh, But you always have to confess your victory. You see a symptom in your body, you fit manifestation in your body, but you have to always believe and say, yes, this is what I am going through, but this is what God says. You're not denying your sickness. You are lifting God's, like we sang the song in the morning. Whose report will you believe? Mm. Whose report will you believe? And you always have to say that. You'll always have to believe and say, yes, Lord, I'm going through this, but I will. You have, you have magnified your word above all your name, and your name has been exalted above every other name. So your word says this is available in your name. Your word says this is what is about me. You send forth your word and heal me. You forgive all my iniquities and you heal all my diseases. The son of righteousness shall rise over me with healing under his wings. As I believe and as I grow in my righteousness, so is the healing in me. I'm being healed more and more. You have to believe and you have to proclaim. These are proclamations. And one day you will suddenly realize, it's gone, it's gone. And then you will realize, Lord, why did he say this? So that you have the joy of winning a battle. Mm. This was a battle. And I get the pleasure of seeing my children win their battles. Win their battles. You have to look at it that way and ask God. And if he's saying fast and pray, ask God, what do I need to fast from? And pray, it will go. It will go, it's a test. And blessed are those people who are early in their life when they come to God, go through tough battles because they don't waste life, waste time. A lot of people waste their time, waste their time. Those who get into the battle early are very blessed like Paul, very early, very early. If you read the book of Galatians and if you go by actual timeline, historians talk about the book of Galatians. You know how many years later it is after Jesus rose from the dead? 15, 20 years later. And Peter is still struggling. Mm. And Paul is gone. Who A guy who started years after him, who never walked with Jesus for three and a half years, has gone sh- shot past him. It's like the marathon runner. Suddenly from the back you see this guy going and whizzing past him. This guy is gone and whizzed past you. Why? Because he went through his battles early. Very early in battle. So don't ever negate the importance of battle. Battles are very good for soldiers. You get, you learn from battles. You learn from battles. You know, you learn from battles. So you have to look at it that way. Don't look at it negatively. Look at it positively. Is yeah. the question that one of the questions that I also also think about is, what is the importance of fasting? I mean, I'm talking about fasting from physical food in itself. What is how is that directly related to it's a humbling of your soul is what the bible says also it's two things practically what happens is when you fast uh, and it's basically when there is no intake let's say there is no intake of food the first day of course is terrible but after that your senses your physical senses dull which allows your spiritual senses to be more keen Mm. that's one of the and it happens in the gentile world and in the godly world, both they also fast. fast yes. When they fast, they are open to the demonic. Mm-hmm. Okay, they open to the demonic and all kind of crazy stuff they do. But to add to that, they use drugs too. Drugs also give you an opening into that portal. We don't use drugs. 
we don't do their stuff at all. But you need, you need to realize in almost all pagan religions, drugs is a part of their rituals because it opens your senses to the spiritual, the demonic realm. And that's why our God is absolutely opposed to all these things. You see, my people will not do those things. Okay, because you do this, you open yourself to the demonic. Okay, they had sexual orgies in all those pagans because that is another portal that opens to the demonic and our God is absolutely against those mm. things. That is why he was giving all these instructions. So when we fast, one is that we are dulling our earthly, sorry, fleshly, uh, this thing comes and our spiritual senses, it's become. So when also, like let us say, I am a movie buff. I watch six movies or two movies. I'm this thing, this thing. When I shut it off, the noise in first, it's very difficult to struggle because you're, you're addicted to it. And then, no, slowly it's dying. And you're able to hear clearly because those voices have been still. So God did two things with Israel, if you look in yes. Hebrew, sorry, Deuteronomy chapter eight. 8. He led them into the wilderness. First thing he did, he cut off all the voices Man. of Egypt. Second, he cut their food supply off and fed them something that was different. Amen. The only reason was that one, they could hear his voice. voice. And that's where Jesus says, man shall not live by bread alone, but by air. But they refused to hearken to his voice. Mm. See, God can, it's like you say in English, you can take a horse to the water, but you cannot make it drink. He did everything possible for them to hear, obey, and overcome, but they refused. They refused. Mm. God can take you into the wilderness. God can feed you the word, ask you this thing, and say that there was none feeble among them, there was none ill among them, but they all perished in this only simple thing. They heard, but they refused to obey. And they walked in unbelief. Okay, so you can do all the right things and still fail. If you don't understand the spiritual aspect of it, the whole thing is that we hear his voice and obey. One, one last thing. When, when Paul says that I beat my body to subjection and uh, so that I will not be disqualified, is he talking about a lifestyle of fasting? Is he talking about no, it's that? It's not just about fasting. Okay? It's not about fasting. See, each one's struggles are different. We don't have the same struggles because common struggles are there. It all depends upon how we grew up. Hmm. How we grew up. It all depends upon how we grew up. Everybody doesn't grow up in the same environment. Each one grows up in a different environment. And before he or she comes to the Lord, what are the doorways in which you opened, which is sinful, which is into which you indulged more? Mm. Those are the struggles you will face when you come out. Okay? So one man's struggle may be a cakewalk for another person. That's why God says, don't even judge yours. Hey, how come you are not overcoming? It's nothing. But then it's, it's not your struggle. Mm. And your struggle, and says, what's your struggle? I don't struggle in that area because you never... So it is completely different for people. It's not the same. It may be common areas, but everybody's struggle is not the same. Mm. So when he, Paul is talking about his beating his body into subjection, he's talking about a whole picture. Mm. Whole picture. Because without my body, I cannot sin. Yes. To sin, you need your body. body yes. Okay. That's why the Bible says you offer the instruments of your body for sin. Now offer it for righteousness. Mm. Okay, it's a daily, a daily process. And as you go through that, so when he says, I beat my body into subjection, like I'll tell you a simple, a self-righteous example, a simple thing. I was a bookworm. I was an addict. 
addict. I could read and read and read and read and read. But most of my life, before I came to the Lord, I read junk. Mm. I was the only guy in the hostel room, single room in the hostel, who had a library in his room. <laughs> because wherever I went, my books followed me. You wouldn't believe it. It was not my textbooks. I had an entire set of fiction in my book. People used to come to my room to borrow books. That was me. But when I got saved and after a process of time, God said, you have to choose. He said, I'm not telling you to stop reading. I'm telling you to stop reading this junk. You have to make a choice. So why did I make a choice? I got rid of all those books. Every one of them. I got rid of very few I have left. That I bought later. Very few. I got rid of all of them. And he replaced it with all his kind of books. Hmm. Okay, He replaced it. So do I still read? Yes. Do I read... Um, secular, pulp, popular, any kind of fiction? No. Mm. <laughs> I don't read it at all. Okay. So my struggle was different. Mm. My struggle. I'm just talking about one struggle. Okay. My struggle was in the same thing with music. I was a music buff. I did not see movies, but I knew all the songs. Okay. And these were all movie songs. Primarily, I'm a Hindi movie buff. Okay. And I never saw any, like I was telling yesterday, I have neither seen Shole nor I have seen Titanic. Mm-hmm. These are the two major movies in Indian <laughs> movie history and Hollywood. I neither seen, okay? But if you ask me the songs of Shole, <laughs> no, I will tell you any song before 1989, 90, I know. After 90, I'm a dummy. I don't know songs, okay? Uh, but even there, I had to make a choice. I had to get rid of all my cassettes. Mm-hmm. And I had cassettes at my I had to get rid of it, literally put it into the dumpster and tell the fellow to take it out and replace it with godly music. Okay? But I'm not watching you know, godly music. Now, of course, internet is there. But still one ringtone can take me back in years. Okay, mm-hmm. That's why I don't even go shopping. If you go to a supermarket, there will be something or the cab guy puts before I know, I realize I'm whistling along with him. I said, what's happening? Okay. Mm-hmm. All <laughs> India Radio Gohati is coming through my mind. Okay, So these are things of the past. These are, I'm not saying this, but I honestly believe some of those old music are quite harmless. Mm-hmm. It's not like today's rebellious, wicked, filthy, all of them simple love songs. You know? simple love. There was hardly anything. But the problem is you don't have time for it. You don't have time for it. So we are talking about when you talk about your body, beat your body. It could be your ears. It could be your eyes. Your tongue. It could be your tongue. Okay? It could be anything. When you're talking about, he's talking about the body in a whole. Some people, it could be sleep. They have a sleeping disorder. Yes. They need to sleep and sleep and sleep and sleep. So you have to battle that. Some people have, may have an issue with order. And order is very important mm. in God's, God's. Because if you don't have order, you lose time. Absolutely. And everybody is only given 24 hours a day. And order brings time in. You, you are suddenly you realize you don't need more time. You need order. Mm. If you have order, you are able to do much more than before. So when you are talking about body, it's different things. Different, different things are there. And Paul will, you read second, I always tell pastors, when you recommend to your young people who come and say, I want to serve the Lord, tell them to study first and second. Timothy. I believe this is a Bible college manual for all young people, written by a senior. Screwtape letters was written by a senior Demon. devil to a junior devil. 
letters to Timothy was written by a senior saint to a junior saint. This is the fundamental two letters you have to read and you and God will show you. These are gems from a man's experience in serving God. Hmm. Last two letters he writes. Fantastic letters. But you especially Second Timothy chapter two, you look at it step by step, he will tell you if you really want to be a soldier for Christ and finish, these are the disciplines you need in your life. And you will see he'll talk about the body, he will talk about the, the mind. mind. We'll talk about the soul. Everything, if you look at it, everything is over there. And you will realize, okay, this is what I need. But these things can be only taught to people who, like a couple of years back, I was in a church where they were their uh, dedication service. They had all of, they had over 150 church leaders over there. And their new set of pastors were being ordained. And I was the ordination speaker. Suddenly they pumped it back. I was supposed to be a revival speaker for three days. Then they said, we have an ordination on the third day and we want you to speak. And that's exactly the verses God gave me. He said, all young pastors, tell them this is the lessons for them from Second Timothy chapter 2. You know? So that's what it means. You know? And it is. See, you need to have a race and a purpose. Yes. A lot of Christians get saved and they wander around because they haven't found a purpose of the kingdom, the king and the kingdom. And then they drift away. They drift. And you should have a purpose. And don't worry about, Lord, I need. Just put your hand onto the kingdom. And start doing what is right there before you. And as you do it, God will start defining purpose. Because first, he's not giving you a purpose. Mm. He's trying to create discipline. Amen. Yes. Now, when you join the army, they will not send you straight to China to fight. No. They first train you. Mm. They train you. God is also trying to train us in a coming through. Train us. And once that is coming, suddenly you will realize this is my purpose. And now you are trained to fulfill your purpose. Otherwise you will drift. A lot of people drift. No? So yes. one last question before we leave this. Yeah, so many, yeah. oh, one, 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 just, okay. just, uh, the question is, uh, when you say that you have to enter the battle early, mm. what exactly is what you're, ta- you're looking at? What When you say, it is good for a man to enter battle early so that he can learn his lessons. So if you're talking about just overcoming sin, or is he talk, you're talking why about opposition was, in the ministry? Why was David able to defeat Goliath? Some because of the battle in, us, in, in the wilderness. Because he won over the bear and the okay. lion. Mm. Okay, he was. So it, he, was he had his private battles, and he won it. He didn't, he didn't back off from that. He faced it, and he won it. Then one day when he's over there in the front, there is this Goliath standing over there. Everybody's fearing. Everybody's covering. And if you look at all those people who are afraid and covering, none of them have won their personal battle. Hmm. Neither Saul has won, nor has Eliab won his battles. And it's coming out of their mouth. Skepticism, doubt, and fear is coming out of Saul's. Anger and jealousy is coming out of Eliab. And this humble young boy sits there and he says, I can fight him. God is with me. Because he won his battles. Therefore, he's able to fight bigger battles and God will take him from bigger to bigger to bigger battles and he's moving ahead in his race. That's what I meant by fighting your battles. Amen. Okay, so, so Pastor, we'll go to question. But don't get involved in wrong battles. What the devil does is he knows that there is passion. So he distracts you and gets you into causes. Hmm. You don't get into causes. Our cause is the kingdom of God. There is no bigger cause than that. Amen. So don't waste your time over green, go, a planet going green and cleaning the planet and you know all these movements, don't get into that. Jesus never got into any of this movement. He said, I got a purpose. That's the purpose of my father. I have come to deal with the devil and 
with sin and make atonement. That's my purpose. I will not be distracted from it. Amen. Yes. Question number eight. Pastor, will eight. When we all go through some kind of trial and tribulation, we repent and we confess. Are we free? But why does it always have to be trouble, trouble for Christians? Yes. I've noticed the wicked are so rich. They're able to get away with everything. But the poor man gets the raw end of the deal. Why does God allow that all the time? And I think you have the, the... Why does... No, we cannot say God allows all the time because nobody has... No one has the knowledge to say that God allows it all the time. Meaning, the person who wrote it is saying, in my experience, I think. No. You cannot say God allows it all the time. Because there are so many factors involved in it. But let's let's get to the... Because this is a very important question. I don't want to sound like Trump and all. That's a fantastic question. No, I want to sound no, no, like no. that. But uh, this is uh, <laughs> one of the good questions is because uh, thing is that one of the fundamental issues with salvation with Christians face is you can look at salvation with a very myopic or short-sighted vision. And that vision has to change. But a lot of people, in so many ways, they are scared into heaven because of hell. Yes. Okay. They are not like the disciples who left everything to follow Jesus. Both is salvation. You may be scared into, you may have some God healed you, God did something and you came into the kingdom of God. But once you come in, you have to take your eyes from the temporal to the eternal to understand the temporal. Are you getting it? God is not telling you not to live in the temporal. But he says, unless you see the eternal, you will never understand the temporal. temporal. You yes. will not understand. You will not be a factor in. You will not be able to really, really handle the struggles of temporal. Never able to understand. You have to see the eternal picture. You have to live in the eternal while walking in the temporal. Mm -hmm. And the Bible is very, very clear. The entire episodes are basically over and over mm -hmm. and over to give us that eternal perspective. Yes. Let's look at, uh, I think, Psalm 73. Psalm 73 from verse 1 onwards, okay? Mm -hmm. Can we can we have it in, yeah, KJ, NKG will do. Psalm 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. So he begins with a statement. It's a fact. He's not experiencing it. Mm -hmm. Please remember, if you mm -hmm. read this psalm, when he's writing it, he's not experiencing it. Mm -hmm. I don't have to experience a fact for a fact to be a fact. Mm -hmm. yeah, truth is truth. Absolutely. Truth is always truth. Amen. <laughs> yeah, truth is always truth. Whether we experience it okay. or not. Mm -hmm. He's going through a rough time. He's mm -hmm. going through a very sorry time. But he says, God is good to Israel. Because God cannot be bad. God is always good. Hmm. Okay? God is good to Israel. To such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. Because all the doubts that was coming in his mind. Look at it. Come read down further. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death. But their strength is firm. When you look at them die also, they seem to be dying with fune. Or any fear or anything. They are not in trouble as other men. Nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore pride serves as their necklace. 
violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens. The tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here and the waters of a full cup are drained by them. Then they say, how does God know? Is there knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly who are always at ease and they increase in riches. Isn't it real, true till today? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Keep reading. They say, how does God? Yeah. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my heart in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. This is the cry of the righteous man. If I had said I will speak thus, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Until, Until. <laughs> I went into the sanctuary of God. This is when I went into the temple, I have a different vision. I saw the eternal. Amen. I was outside looking at the temple and I said, Lord, what is this? We are suffering, we are suffering. We do one little sin, we get beaten three times. This fellow walks in wickedness, he only gets richer. What is this God? It's not fair, 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 it's not fair. They are doing all kinds of things. They seem to be only getting better and better and better and better and all in the temple until I went into the house of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. In verse 19, we'll read till 20. Oh, how they were brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors. As a dream when a one awakes, so Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. He realizes, you know what? Life on earth is like a mirage. It's like a whisper. They may be walking at one day they are gone. I'll show you when they are gone, what happens. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 14 and 16. This is another vision of another prophet of the end of all these people who walked on earth. The other side, it's like a dream, gone, sour. Therefore, she all... <laughs> Hell has enlarged itself and opened its mouth beyond measure. Their glory and their multitude and their pomp and he whose jubilant shall descend into it. Who are these? All the wicked. The pomp and the glory and the jubilant. When they die, they die also say, yeah. When they die, what happens? They descend into it. People shall be brought down. Each man shall be humbled and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. This is the ultimate end of them. When they, that's what happened to the rich man. In an instant, how he lived, and Jesus gives his how he lived, dressed in purple, ate bountifully, and so, then an instant everything changed. He's now crying, one drop, one drop. He's still crying, if you notice that. The cry hasn't stopped. He's still hoping for one drop. 2,000 years have over since Jesus said that story. He still hasn't got one drop. One drop. This is the eternity about. So we don't worry about all those things. You have to always live in your temporal and thank God for the struggles that he's chastening me. He's giving because the rewards are all so great. Because God is very clear. Every son or daughter whom I accept as an I will chasten. Why? Because your reward is eternal. Yes. Actually, question number 9 is also asked by the same person. Pastor. Yes. Question know? number 9, I shall read it a little strategically. <laughs> when the 
with the Jeffrey Epstein case, <clears throat> this dude kills himself. Now, the other lady who is in prison, okay, his uh, girlfriend, I will use, I won't use some of the words. This girlfriend is a wicked, filthy, white cracker. Well, let's use your own terms, okay, mm-hmm. because you're crying from your heart. He's sitting in federal jail. <laughs> they refused her bail, big deal. But if you know what federal jail is like in USA, I've, I've been, I haven't been in one, I've never been in a jail, but I have seen in a video, it's pretty good, mm-hmm. federal jail. It's like checking into a motel. Mm-hmm. Why don't they get tough with these white crackers? It's the blacks, the Hispanics, the white trash, as well as that really get a raw deal. How come God does not intervene? Why do the decent ones who don't kill, don't sleep around, okay, they may lie, steal, just do dumb stuff. They get caught and have such a raw deal. How come God allows that? The simple story, the simple reason is, like, now we have answered this question over and over again. There's a day set. Where do you think Jeffrey Epstein is now? You think he's having a good time? (laughs) Honestly, think about it. Do you think he's having a good time? He's already fixed for eternity. He's fixed for eternity. So like I said, the answer to the first question, the earlier question, same thing. If you're going to look at in the temporal, okay, temporal, you're going to miss the whole picture. The thing is that God cannot intervene on case by case. He cannot do that. Right now, he's allowing uh, what we call, as he has ordered time to take its own course. Okay, he's not intervening case by case by case. He does as people pray and cry out in his children's case. He's intervening, but there is a day he has set, which is called the day of judgment. As Bible says, on that day, even the skies will flee from his presence. Hmm. Because Revelation calls it the Lamb of the wrath of the Lamb. The wrath of, of the, the Lamb. lamb. <laughs> okay. It's a terrible, terrible day. So there's no escape. There is no pleading. There is no advocate. There is nothing there. It's just sentencing. Mm. Okay, you know the difference, right? When the court is everything is over. There is a day set for sentencing. The day of sentencing, there is no argument there. Okay, All your arguments are here. God is giving you time to repent and make peace with him. All the arguments are here. There is no argument in heaven when any man reaches before God. There is no argument there. And that's a terrible day. So we don't have to worry about what is her name? Maxi. Yeah. <laughs> Dr. Richard is up to date on all these things. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. No. But like no. But what people won't understand and will hate is that if she repents and calls upon the name of Jesus, she too receives forgiveness. And that is going to be very difficult for a lot of the abuse victims to accept. Amen. And some of the abuse victims who don't repent and believe in Jesus may end up in hell. And she could end up in hell. We don't understand the this. The price Jesus paid on the cross was for Hallelujah. everybody. Nobody is going to make it to heaven because of their works. Mm. Nobody is going to make it to hell also because of their works. Everyone who goes to hell is because they did not receive the forgiveness of Christ, the work of Christ. 
Everyone who goes to heaven is because they received the work of Christ and the forgiveness of Christ. No one is going to make it to heaven or to hell because of their works. Every sinner in hell was forgiven, but they did not receive the mercy pardon. God declared a pardon on the cross. Any man believes, repents, believes, you are free. Everyone who ends up to hell, he says, I don't want your pardon. God says, no. Nobody is going to hell or heaven based on their works. No. You are going to heaven or hell based on whether you accepted the work of Christ or you rejected the work of Christ. This is what. In one of my earliest days, when I went to one of these little Bible studies, uh, there were a few people who walked out of the Bible study because of one particular person who was in the Bible study, who was an alcoholic and a wife beater and everything, and he got saved. So the few righteous people walked out. They said, they cannot handle this. They, They cannot handle a God like that. And that was nothing new. That was the issue with Jesus walking also. The righteous stood out. The righteous stood out. And they always had issues with Jesus. They always had issues with Jesus. How can you? 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 They had issues with Jesus. And even till today, people have issues. And I have to tell my dear brethren, a lot of you have come through unbelievable abuse. Unbelievable abuse. Please remember, let us not guarantee your place in heaven. <laughs> Nobody enters into heaven because of sympathy. Mm. Everybody is the same at the, at the foot of the cross. Everyone enters because you have repented and believed only in the work of Jesus Christ. And even if Jeffrey Epstein, before he committed suicide or was murdered, if he had repented and called upon Jesus, he would have been saved. And Jesus made it very clear, absolutely clear. That is the final message from the cross. One thief repented, you are in. One thief rejected, you are out. That is the final message. Nobody is going to make it to heaven because of anything you have done. You will make it to because you put your trust in me or you rejected me. That is God's final message as Jesus is dying. Two people signifying humanity. One accepted, got in. One rejected, got thrown out. That's as simple as that. Please, I know it will upset some of you, but that is the truth. And one day if you sit back and think about it, you will realize what? Thank God that is the truth. Thank God that is the truth. That if we know how holy and righteous God is, nobody will make it. Not a single person will make it. That's uh, James chapter 2. Not a single person will make it. Thank God, the truth is, Christ paid the price. And we are going to make it only because we believed in Jesus Christ and nothing else. The rest you do after you are saved is connected with your race and your crown. Salvation? No. From the beginning till the end, our confession is, Lord, I put my trust in you. By grace alone am I saved. No man will boast. Amen? Yes, oh, Pastor Vijay. Amen, Pastor. <laughs> Question number seven is, I think you should read this as well, Pastor. Question number seven. Okay. 
After I started the church, every month we had a death. It still goes on. Okay, please understand. Uh, some of you may not understand, new believers uh, from our side of the world and all, you may not understand. So don't don't have to. Just think it is geometry. Okay. Uh, <laughs> does this have to do with this circle? You don't have to go. What you don't know, don't hurt. Leave it alone. Okay? Leave it alone. You don't have to study all that. We have have many FMs, Freemasons, okay, that have killed people, burned their bodies. If this is the consequences to their sin, it depresses them. What should they do? These are all real things. Okay, mm -hmm. that's happening. Nobody wants to understand <laughs> what is actually happening in the world. Okay, it's come to the final point that. Yes, we come to the final battle between good and evil. Come to the final. And evil has infiltrated into every place, including the church has been infiltrated by the evil. And the Freemasonic Lodge is their apparatus. That's how they control everything. And these are people who came out. And uh, let me put it across. If you read from the book of Exodus onwards, God will tell you what the pagan cultures did. There are two structures about this visible creation, second heaven and the first heaven, and the third heaven and the second heaven. Third heaven, of course, is God's, and I'm just using our physical illustration, second heaven. Power comes from, spiritual power comes from three or two. It can only come from three or two, okay? because our power is limited. We need to realize our our power, how much energy do I have to do a work? Okay, if you have read a simple thing, most people in India have read that book, Christians have read that book, Death of a Guru. Mm. Remember as a young boy, yes. how he lifted those weights, which was like, <laughs> when the demonic came upon him. Levitated as well. Yeah, he could do all kind of crazy stuff. Okay, So you need to realize there is a power which supersedes all the power of man. And like, take a demonic spirit. Take 10 demonic spirits over here and have a nuclear blast. Everything around 10-15 kilometers or whatever is obliterated. It's gone. Nothing happens to the demons. They look at there and they walk away. Nothing happens to them. Okay? So you need to realize how the power structure changes. What is the greatest power that man has invented is a nuclear bomb. Right? Means nothing in the second or the third order. Means nothing. So we need to realize our power is absolutely, absolutely limited because of the material world. And from time immemorial, you need to realize when man fell away, it has gone into realm 2 or realm 3. And realm 3 were very few people because the, the, why don't people go to the realm 3 for power is because God is righteous and mm. God is holy. And you don't want to go live that life to get power from God. So it's very easy to go to realm 2. Because he doesn't demand in holiness or righteousness and he says, just satisfied my needs, I will give you. I'll give you. So we are not using our culture because it creates trouble. You go back, that's why always when I use illustrations, I use pagan cultures, meaning look, the Greek, the Roman, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, any of these cultures. Similar to that, we have around the world. But if you look back at it, you could never approach a God unless you appeased him with something. And all these cultures had human sacrifices. Human sacrifices. And human sacrifices were primarily children. 
see, if I want to offer a human sacrifice and I want to offer Vijay, I have to win over him and get him, right? It's easy to offer a child, which cannot resist. So they, they become the, the easiest one to sacrifice is the least one with the least strength. So human sacrifice was very, very common and the devil loved it because the devil wanted it to give power because he knows man, God loves humans. So you see right from there, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. These are the reasons why I am destroying these nations before you, taking into the promised land. God gives over and don't put your children through the fire and all that. But you know, after some time, Israel also goes that way. Even the kings offer their own children. Yes. Yeah, you know, Manasseh filled the streets of Jerusalem. That has continued from there till today. What happened is once Christianity came in and it became the global power, the idea, the thinking, this thing, only this thing went underground. It went underground because you can't do it openly. It went underground. And uh, what happens? Everybody wants power. Everybody wants power. You wants power. You want to you, you win an election. You want to control this. You want to control your business. You want to control this. Either you can go to God and then you realize when you go to God, you also have to say, not my will, but your will be done. And then suddenly, you, before God, you realize God has no interest in anything you are asking. His interest for you is completely different. You will say, thank you, Lord, I am going this way. This is the problem with God. So, easy to go to the devil. Easy to go to the devil. So, in every structure you have in Babylon, that's why Babylon will be destroyed in one hour. Everything of Babylon has been infiltrated by evil. Only thing, it is done secretly. It is secretly it is done. You will never have open meetings. Open meetings, they are open meetings and they will have a lot of charitable works. That is the front. Lot of good works, lot of charitable, so they are not suspected. Always good works, doing this, that thing, this thing, this thing, that thing. But behind the scenes, they have another work. That's why I call those pastors, they are masters by night and pastors by day. Mm -hmm. Pastors by day. Okay? And the same thing. And a lot of them. It's not the people who are sitting at the top who really control. There are people behind them who are controlling. They pull the levers of power everywhere. Everywhere. They pull the levers of power everywhere. So you need to understand this is what these people are talking about. And many of them hearing the messages, they have repented and they have come out. And they will go through a lot of consequences. You see, I can sin, but I cannot determine my consequences. This is a law that is set in Genesis 1 down all the way to Galatians. What you sow, you will reap. Mm-hmm. Okay. What will I not reap if I believe in Christ? I will not reap the eternal consequences of my action. Yes. Eternal. Certain sins, there is restitution that is possible. There are certain sins, there is no restitution that is possible at all. Let us say, Dr. Richard is sitting there. I took Dr. Richard's money. I can return it. I took his clothes. I can return it. I took his reputation. As far as possible, I can try to clear it. But supposing I killed, he's not married, but suppose he has a child and I killed his child. Can I make a restitution? No. David killed Uriah. Uriah is not going to come back. It's not going to come back. There's no restitution for that. But he's forgiven. <laughs> he's forgiven. The consequence is going to follow. So you need to realize where there is bloodshed, where there is bloodshed, when you have taken the life of somebody. I personally have seen, as I have studied through the histories of people in the kingdom of God, 
and otherwise the consequences are different. Consequences are different. Every other consecration, you can do something. Hmm. You can do something. You can make a restitution to the best of your ability, block the consequences and you know, restart with a bang. But if there is bloodshed, especially if you have done it willingly, in so many cases, there is incredible forgiveness for people, especially those who are in this circle, because they did not know it knowingly or willingly. The alter personalities in them were used to source these babies or children for the sacrifice. So they themselves, the core personality itself was not aware of it. And when they were aware of it, they cried, they wept, they repented and everything. Your situation is much better than the one who was aware of it and was willingly part of it and then came out. So there are these two case studies in this boat. And I have, I know cases where both of these applies, where certain people have killed so many. See, there is, I have no evidence physically to present because that's how the Lord operates. Everything is destroyed. There is no track record at all. Even that baby that is born and is used for sacrifice, even a birth certificate is not available. Nothing will be available. Nothing. They control the system. They control the system. And that's how it happens. Now, you may call me a liar, but on the day of God's judgment, every word I say will be proved true. Every word I say will be proved true. Because it is true. It is true. But that's how they call it. That's Psalm 73 also. God sees it all. And he says, a day of reckoning is coming. A day of reckoning is coming. And the entire abortion industry is primarily also based on that. I'm not talking about the poor women because of circumstances who go and abort. I'm talking of the industry behind it. Industry behind it. It's always the children who are the most vulnerable. Okay, So we need to realize this is there. So if you are part of it, what I would say is go out to God like David. Fall on your face. Fall on your face. And uh, cry out to God. Okay. Now if you look in David's case, that child died. <laughs> Did the child sin? No. The father will sin. The child is the one who died. The consequences follow. So he's, 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 when he repents and he comes through, he's going through agony. He's going through agony. And you know that because of that pain he goes through, because God had to teach him this final lesson, he never goes back ever again in that route again. He never goes back in that route. His next only sin is counting the people. Other than that, that was God also wanted to teach Israel a lesson. But other than that, you don't see him going back. He had to have that lesson, like what he called it, etched in his heart. He never forget that lesson. So we need to realize these things will happen. Cry out to God. Cry out to God. And uh, all those who came out of the circle, I would, once again, I will tell you, this is the, those who have truly come out and have repented. What you need to do is, let me tell you openly, because I know many of you are listening. What you need to do is, you need to go into your prayer closet one-on-one -on -one with God. You need to confess everything that you know. There are layers in you. The top layer, please empty it. You can do it. If you have one personality which is saved in your personalities, ask that personality to help you and take clear level one off. Level one will have children, animals and cats and dogs. Because that's the crazy stuff they do. Clean it all up. Take them down. After they are all down and level one and level two is like this, level one is clear. Ask God, because this is a realm they have created in you, because it's demonic. Ask God to send your guardian angel or an angel to guard level 2 and level 1. 
He will do it. I'm telling you. He will do it. Once you have the angel, much of your struggles are gone because no personality is coming up and disturbing you. Otherwise, you are going crazy because even when you are walking normal, you are hearing voices always. These voices are talking and they are real voices from inside because they have conversations going on inside. You need to, this only happens to believers. Unbelievers who are listening, this won't happen to you. Truly believers who have repented, cried out, ask God what he will do. He will send an angel. He will block it. You can function much more normally. Much more normally. And then ask God, Lord, let me have a real solid Holy Ghost encounter where all my personalities are integrated. This integration is a different thing. I wouldn't recommend it for you unless you are really, really strong. I know what I am talking about. Sometimes God will not integrate your personalities now because you may not be able to handle the trauma of the integration. Let me tell you why. Because there are many altars in you who have done things which you are not aware of and you don't want to know sometimes what they have done because you will not be able to live with that trauma. So the simple solution as a spiritual doctor I'm telling you is the easiest solution I found is to close level 1 and level 2, keep an angel there and altars all stay down. You think you are strong enough and you want to be made whole where all the altars are integrated, then go to God, ask for a holy God and ask for strength because when the altars are integrated, I know of a person I know of a person who came out um, kind of halfway, but in a holy God meeting, like a few hundred, that person had over a thousand two hundred altar personalities. Around three hundred altar personalities got integrated in one meeting in a worship service. But it was trauma after that when all their memories come together. Okay, you realize what they made you do using different personalities. You have to live with it. If you're ready for that, do two. If not, go for option one. I give you option one and option two. And you can still fulfill God's purpose in your life. And God forgives you. That's all I can tell you. Okay? That's all I can tell you. These are all terms which people do not realize. It is from where all your computers came in. Programming, everything. That's what's happening in U.S. The entire news network, Hollywood, everything is programming. They're teaching you how to think. They've taken over your minds. It's mind control. The whole thing is Freemasonic programming. Because all the people behind the networks, operating the networks, are all part of the Illuminati. They control the narrative. They teach you how to think. Teach you how to think about it. All this simple thing about it. I would a simple thing. Think of all the things that Joe Biden has actually said in the last 40 years about blacks. And still 85% of the blacks will go and vote for it. So aren't your minds blinded? Isn't it something supernatural that's happening over here? Unnatural that's happening. He's one of the most racist politicians ever in American history. The kind of things he said till two days back. And it's consistently, if you look at his record about blacks, what stuff he has said, what policies he has pushed about blacks, that they will go and vote for him. You know why? They are absolutely confident the black vote is locked in, so the minds have been blinded through programming. And only the church has the power to unlock. Hmm. That's why God says, what you block, bind on earth, will be bound in heaven. What you loosen on earth will loosen. The church has that power. But you need to realize what you need to un open and close. That's why we pray. They get mad. They want to take us out of YouTube and all. It doesn't bother me at all. I never wanted to be in YouTube. 
You can't threaten a man who has nothing to lose. One of the first things they need to understand. I don't get buckled by this. You take me out YouTube, big deal. The message will still go out. Without YouTube, without Facebook, if we reached 190 plus countries without this both, God can still do it. You cut every airway off, you can't cut the Holy Spirit. He will still take it to the ears of the people. So we don't get threatened or by any of their this stuff. So we will preach the truth because we want to set the people free. So all those who don't know anything about it, forget what you heard. Don't go, okay? <laughs> Circle is just a geometrical figure <laughs> for you. Triangle, square, okay, yeah. all that, okay. Pastor, we'll, we'll tackle question number five, Pastor. Question yeah. number five. Could you tell me why does God allow so many innocent people to be killed? I think it's a similar question. So I'm very hurt. My best friend's father was just killed. He's the nicest person you can meet. Why do these things? The same question about yeah. like, no? Yeah. So just wanna... like, there's so many reasons why people, people uh, die. So many. Like the Air India flight that crash the pilot and the co-pilot died. The pilot seems to have been a very nice person. I read personal stuff about him, but he died. He, died. he tried everything to save the aircraft, everything and all, but he died in the whole process. Okay? So, why do bad things happen to good people is one of those most <laughs> asked questions in human history. You, know, you think about, it. isn't that true from the beginning? Yes. Abel was the good guy. Why did he have to that die? Died. You know? When Cain was about to, let's say, like, no, I don't know how he killed Abel. Let's say he crushed his head with a stone. When he was about to crush his head with a stone, why didn't Cain have a heart attack and die? It didn't happen that way, right? It didn't happen that way. So from the beginning, it does not happen that way. But as I said, unless you look at life with the eternal perspective, perspective, you cannot see it. There are many reasons why bad things happen to good people. And only thing you can re ask is that at the end of it all, God is good. And uh, all we praise, all these people who die, good people who die, at least they knew Christ. And God knows about it. So we we'll, yeah. we'll look, look at question number three. Um, it's also, I think it's come from outside. Why did God say we cannot divorce? Why did he make things so tough? Did he not? Did he not think that some of his children would mess up and failed marriages would be dying a dozen? But oh, uh, why did God say uh, we cannot divorce? He says you cannot. He didn't say you cannot divorce. He said you cannot divorce for every reason. That was a question that was actually asked. Uh, like you know, Matthew chapter nineteen. Yeah, but let me t tell you about this. One of the reasons why you know there are certain things which is very important to God. When God talks about marriage and divorce, the reason why he puts those strictures over there is because marriage is marriage on earth is a temporal, physical, practical example or a symbol of his rela eternal relationship with his people. Like God's first relationship with Israel and then God's relationship with the church is both put across as marriage. And because uh, it's a physical picture of a spiritual relationship and in a marriage a marriage breaks up primarily a marriage dies when you have what is called adultery not that it cannot be restored it cannot be restored only because if your hearts are hardened where restoration is not possible it put it across that rule over there to show 
that Israel's spiritual adultery was they left their God and went after other gods. And the Corinthians talks like, like a man is one body with a woman in the act. So are you one body, one spirit with God or with the demonic. So he put those pictures over there and therefore marriage becomes sacred. But when you are talking about divorce, in the same case, God, the book of Jeremiah says, he gives Israel a bill of divorce and sins. Okay? Because not that God's heart was hardened. Mm. Israel's heart was hardened. Mm. Israel refused to leave her lovers. And Judah refused to leave her lovers and come back to God. They refused. Okay? And that's why God sent them. God waited, patiently waited, waited. He sent prophet after prophet after prophet after prophet. They killed the prophets and they refused to leave their demonic gods and these things. So he sent them out. And when God took their hands out of Israel and Judah, the calamity they face is captivity. Until today they are in captivity. Every day, every Israeli doesn't sleep well. He always has to be very good. The siren comes before you know they are all in their shelters. You know why? Simply because God divorced them. God divorced them. That's the reason. Because what is a woman's security? A woman's security is a husband. Okay, like those 60 days, 65 days when I was here, my wife was always worried. <laughs> all kind of stuff over there, all kind of crazy stuff people were trying to do on this thing and all. No? But when I am there, oh, she sleeps and she snorts in one minute. Nothing at all. Okay, monkeys, yesterday monkeys came, I chased the monkeys away. Today the monkeys came and everything was closed because I was here today. Okay, when the husband is over, the woman, the primary thing the man is supposed to give the woman is security. That is why this entire movement primarily is to emasculate man so that uh, the, the security of the home, the nation, everything is gone. If you know, if you look, we are living in a very insecure world. Mm. We are very insecure world. The primary reason is man, the masculine has been emasculated. Nobody talks about the man. Everybody talks about the woman, the uh, homosexual, the transgender. Nobody talks about the man. The man has been taken out of the picture. So you have a very insecure very insecure home. An insecure home leads to insecure societies, to insecure nations. But the old days, that was not the way it was. I mean, patriarchy has its own defects and all that. Okay, let's leave that aside. But here, when you are talking about it, yeah, uh, that was question number? Four, uh, three. Yeah, divorce. No, when you are talking about it, when you are talking about divorce, you have to look at the word of God in its whole. God allows divorce, first case, where, where there is marriage, unfaithfulness, and there is no hope for reconciliation. Hope for reconciliation. God allows it. Okay. As far as possible, we try for reconciliation. Okay, But reconciliation, you need to have tender hearts. Tender hearts means forgiving hearts, where you are able to forgive and forget. And God, I've heard about many cases where that has, God has allowed, I mean, those people both accepted it and their marriage became better than before. Better than before. So that's God. That's God. And that's the first symbol he does is at a wedding. A wedding where the wine ran out and the master of the ceremony says, so talking about a dead marriage becomes better mm -hmm. after you invite Jesus and follow his instruction. It is possible. But in cases where they are not possible, then they divorce. Now, God in his Bible, if you look at it, about marriage also and fundamental principle of justice, he never, uh, like what, condemns the party that is not guilty. Victim, yeah. but 
Okay? So you have marriage and you have remarriage also. God allows it. It happens. Otherwise, God cannot marry the Gentiles. He's married the Jews forever. Jews forever. Okay? No. And second thing you have to see is that in case of violence, you will see in Malachi too, because a man has clothed himself with violence. Okay? And violence. Women also, old days. Men clothed now. Women also, because of the laws have been made helping the woman and the man is in a very terrible disorder even in this country if it comes to you know a woman can go to woman's own police station and file a false case by saying he's harassing for dowry they will pick him up and they will beat him up and there is no bail also so the, now the these things are loaded against the man so it, now today a man or a woman can be clothed in violence even there that's the malaki context where god allows separation or divorce, where reconciliation is not possible. And third case scenario you see in Corinthians 7, where you have a case where two people were married and they were not believers, and then one became a believer, and because of that the unbeliever leaves. And the Bible says you are not bound. Okay, you are not bound. Now, see, you what I put, what, what I say is this, there are ideals should always try for ideal. But sometimes people don't have the strength for ideal. The ideal is that if you are divorced, you are married, you are separate or divorced, stay single. Stay single. I respect Charles Stanley for that. He remained single. One of the most well-known preachers. He's 85 or 86. His wife, his wife walked away and never came back. His son Andy Stanley is also there. who's a big preacher. He's gone off unlike his father who has stayed steady. But... Uh, Reverend Stanley stayed single all his life. All his life he single. Okay? Remains single. So, but you have to, this is the ideal. But, the Bible says, do not, you don't push something on somebody who do not have the strength to handle it. Okay, so it has to be situation by situation we look at it. And then people <coughs> who have been married and divorced and married and divorced, who are not even saved, they get saved. None of these rules apply to them what they were before. If any man is in crisis, this is a new creation. It starts then. Okay, so we have to be very, very careful and sensitive about how we handle it. We are not bringing the norms down. We are not. We are not raising the norms where nobody can even cross over. We, are, we have to be very balanced about it in scripture. And Jesus is very, very balanced about it. Very, very balanced about it. So the ultimate simple thing is that all those who are, so the final message has to be given to those who are not married. Those who are not married. Those who are married, fight for your marriage. Look at godly principles, understand the scriptures, come under the scriptures, your marriage will work. Otherwise it is not going to work. It doesn't matter how many times you go to church a week, it's not going to work. There are rules for everything and there are rules for marriage too. And God set those rules, that's how a marriage functions. You have a car outside, there are rules of a car functioning. You don't stick to that rules, the car is not going to function. God who ordained everything has also ordained rules for every one of these. You stick to that, it will work. It will work. So, to, to unmarried, the simple thing, simple thing, safe, simple thing is that. Do you believe God speaks? Do you believe God speaks about everything in your life? He will speak to you about your spouse too. Your spouse too. 
He will speak. That's the symbol there in that one perfect marriage in the book of Genesis. Abraham's voice, the voice of God. Isaac says, I don't have to worry about who I am getting married. God will pick a bride for me. And God picked a bride for him. She didn't goof up, he goofed up. That was some woman he picked for. Abraham had a good wife. Isaac also had a good wife. But Abraham's marriage, we don't look into it primarily about how she ended up because when he married, he probably wasn't a believer. Okay, Jacob was the current uh, marriage, you know, romance. Isaac is the idea. He heard his father's voice for us as a type is the voice of God, the Holy Spirit, who is picking a bride for the boy. And he picked a bride. And there were no issues over there. Absolutely no issues over there because they gelled. So all those who are unmarried, you look at these pictures and you know the Holy Spirit speaks about everything else and why not about this, the biggest thing. <laughs> the question is, are we willing to wait? Are you willing to obey and say, Lord, I don't put any strictures over there. You pick a girl. You already know what your strictures are there. You know, Isaac, you will see Isaac says nothing. It's Abraham who says everything. Picture of God's standards are met in that choice. So, to those who are young and unmarried, I would say that look. And the simple guidance is said, uh, Paul tells, I think, the letter to Titus, even when a widow remarries, uh, let her be of, let him be of the household of God. He says, young widows get married. Otherwise, Ultimately, when the pressure comes in, you will fall. So, don't worry, get married. He says. He doesn't make, oh, celibacy, has nothing like that. Get married, he says, but let him be in the Lord. So, we have this first step. Is he or she in the Lord or not? That's the first rule. After that, you go higher up. But before you go higher up, be sure you are there. The problem is somebody who is on level 1 wants a wife who is in level 5. When you are in level 1, or a man who is in level 5, when you are in level 1. So it doesn't work like that. Level like that. If Isaac was unpolluted by the world, so was Rebecca. So was Rebecca. If Jacob was a carnal man, so was Rachel. So they were made for each other. Two empty drums made a lot of noise. Didn't they? Till Isaac becomes old. And is blind and goofs up. Do you hear about any conflict between Isaac and Rebekah's conversation recorded in the Bible? No. no. That is 60 years of their life. Nothing is mentioned. Sarah's lots is mentioned. Rachel's many is mentioned. Isaac and Rebekah, nothing. Nothing is mentioned. Okay, so God puts these pictures around and says, so we always have to look at the ideal. We have to look at the ideal. The ideal picture is there. When Rebecca meets Isaac, you see the ideal man. That's a praying, God's voice-seeking man. He's out there at Birlah Roy meditating. She covers her head and says, I submit to this godly man. And there is peace. You need to have both. Men want women to submit, but they won't submit to God. Okay, So you see a man who submitted to God, and a woman who submitted to man, and there is peace. And when does trouble begins? When he does not submit to God and she does not submit to him. Whole hell breaks loose in that family. So you have to continue this process. And, you know, be very distinct about uh, 
marriages. Okay, God is for marriage; He is not against marriage, and is waiting for that great wedding of His Son. Yeah, one more, one last question. Yeah. Number, question number eleven would be. Oh, question level eleven is one of these. This is a it's a question again of the ages for one of those young children who just got saved. In the beginning, when there was no evil. And this angel was with God. How did this evil nature come to his heart? Everything was so good being with God. Where did this pride come from? Oh, this is a question which is beyond my pay grade. From the time of St. Augustine onwards to all these great people have been struggling with this question. Okay. So, this is the existential question of good and evil. The only thing I can tell you is that only thing I want to tell you is this. Shall we go to James chapter 1 and verse 12? Verse 20. God is not tempted by evil. Yeah, yeah not well. Uh, First thing, let me tell you about this. And then I will read you an excerpt. I don't know who wrote it. It's saved in one of my drafts. Chapter 1. Verse 13, yeah. Verse 13, yes. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am tempted by evil. For God cannot be tempted by evil. For there is evil. What is darkness? Evil. Absence of light. What is evil? Absence of good. God is good. And is good all the time. So God is not tempted by evil. Okay. You always have to understand. So what is what is a stage of evil where there is an absence of God? When will you and I be fully good? When God is, when we are full of God. Please understand. Let me read this excerpt. It's a little long, but I will try to read. I had thought I had lost it, and today I know. I don't know who wrote it. I just saved it in my draft. Now let me take it a step further. God did not create evil. He did not order evil. He did not make evil. This had saved a long time back. He did not make evil. But listen carefully. Very important. God did decree to use evil as a part of his eternal plan. He will not be culpable for it. He did not bring it into existence. That would be impossible because God is good, all good and only good. Therefore, whatever comes out of him is all good and only good. God can therefore produce only good. What is evil? but the absence of that good, which is a choice made by reasonings based upon the information revealed through his creatures. But God was not caught off guard. In fact, God decreed that evil would be part of his plan. He is not the creator of evil and he is not the cause of evil. He did not bring evil into existence in a cosmic sense. He did not and does not bring evil into existence in a personal sense. He is not the cause of sin, nor is he the cause of sins in the lives of people. But he does use it for his purposes. That's why in Isaiah 45, 7, you may, yeah, can I have Isaiah 45, 7? I form the light and create darkness. I make peace and create calamity. I, the Lord, do all these things. God does create calamity. But if you read the context of Isaiah 45.7, it's clear that judgment is the issue. 
God does not create evil, but God does bring judgment on evil, creating therefore the calamity by which evil is judged. Mm. Okay. Did God create the evil in David's life, or God brought calamity upon his life brought. to judge the evil that he did? Brought the calamity. Yes. Okay. Listen carefully. Scripture written by God always assigns the guilt and the responsibility for all sin to creatures, never to God, never to God. Mm. Because God is good, He is good all the time. He is not tempted by evil, nor does He sin. But because He made us creatures with the freedom to choose, choose. first the angelic host and second the human beings, both have the right to choose. And in that choice, with our reasonings, we choose evil and we create evil. We create evil. And we sin. Devil created evil. Because what is evil? Absence, Absence of, of life. Absence of creation. Because animals don't create evil. Plants don't create evil. They don't create evil. So they don't have the freedom to choose. Angels were given the freedom to choose, so they are called sons of God. Man was called, Adam is called the son of God. He had the freedom to choose. So these two chose. But because they were spiritual beings and not physical beings caught in this blinded material world, because they were spiritual beings, when they sinned, there was no restitution for them. Because is it possible that they knew fully well what they were yeah, doing? Yeah, they were spiritual. They were they spirit beings. So they yeah. knew what they were doing. Mm -hmm. They understood. So when they fell and joined the rebellion, they were set in that way. Same thing will happen to all of us. You need to realize same thing will happen the day you die, you are a spiritual being and you are set in whichever choices you have made. There is no going back. No going back. I don't want to get into it because it, it's become scary. The day you die, material world is gone, the spiritual world becomes real. The day they both died, Lazarus and the rich man, the physical left, the material, the spiritual became the reality. Boom! One was taken to Adam's bosom, the other was taken to hell. That's what, and you are set that way forever and ever. You cannot change now. The evil will permeate into evil, evil, evil. The righteous will go into righteousness. This is the truth. So it's a huge question. It's a big question. And I, oh, I don't know, thank God I saved that. I don't even know who wrote it. But I believe that answers to some sense. We will not understand it fully. Mm -hmm. Simply because our minds do not have the capacity, capacity to, to, even to even to process it. Processors are too slow to process evil and good. <laughs> we are talking about God and we are talking about eternity. But that's it. But one of the fundamental things you need to realize is God is good and is always good. Therefore, everything that he does in my life once I have received him as my father and he has received me as a son. Everything he does is good. The pain is good, the suffering is good, the calamity is good, everything God will work good out of it. Yes. Amen. That's what Joseph used to say. You meant it for evil. Not God. Not God. You meant he is not, not the author of evil. evil. You are the author of evil. God turned it around for good. And he went through calamity. Yes. You meant evil. He didn't say God meant evil. No, God did not mean evil. God meant it good. So thirteen years of imprisonment. Yes, he said. So you'll say, Lord, thirty five years of a ministry or Believer, suffering, suffering, it's good. He said, good. Mm. If you have been trained by it, it will work out for your good. You will reap an eternity harvest of righteousness and godliness. You, will. So you have to look at it that way. That's how God uses evil. 
the thing uses the thing is that uh, question was uh, where did this pride come from we cannot say what where did this pride come from but what is this pride we can definitely no, we can, say where did we can it come from? what is pride absence of absence of exactly absence. i want to do everything hmm. uh, without god essentially Ooh. i don't want that light i want to choose he it for myself god. he sees god he understands god is exactly. humble and he chooses something which is not that of it and we still have that choice every day we have that choice because we are saved we can't choose evil of course we can choose it. Only thing what's happening going to happen to eternity and the lake of fire, not the second realm. The lake of fire is lake of fire is a shut space where in eternity there is no presence of sin also, no presence anymore. It is eternity, God and God's people will be in what we call uh what do you call that kind of an environment, scientific environment where it is no Sterile environment, yes, sterile, spiritually sterile environment. Forever and ever, no evil, no presence of evil, no sin, no power of sin, no presence of sin, and that is only after a thousand years. God will show you a thousand years of Jesus' rule on earth, and Satan is locked up, and even when he is released at the end, he will still get the masses to go against Mm. Jesus, to show the power of of choice and people will still choose. So you cannot blame your circumstances. Mm-hmm. The actual righteous rule, everybody has what they need in life. Everybody has his house, their wine, their fig tree, there is no lack, there is no disease, there is nothing. There is law, there is order, there is prosperity, everything is happening. But God will show us at the end, I was always good and I was always righteous because he will release Satan out of the dungeon for a season. He will gather all the people, most of the people who lived under Jesus against him. The saints will be ruling with him, but he will gather these people. And they will go against Jesus. And then he will destroy them. And then the judgment and the eternity begins. So you need to realize what it means. So nobody will blame. Because a lot of people say, if I had been born in another situation, I wouldn't have sinned. God says, no. no. <laughs> seventh century, seventh millennium is proof that your situations don't determine your actions. You can give it the best possible environment and still sin. Hallelujah. That God was always good, God was always right, and that is why the atonement, Christ come. God factored it all before the creating anything. That his son would come, live that life, and he would die, he would rise again, and then people would live and receive Christ. So you know what is actually going to happen in eternity in the eighth millennium? It's a set of people and God and God in all and all in God. That's why we won't sin again. We will not be tempted by sin at all. Right now we are separate from God. Mm. He created a creation that's separate from Him. In the 8th millennium, He's going to have a new creation where God is in everybody and we will not be tempted by evil Mm. or tempted by sin because it is He in us who is good, who is not tempted by evil. That was His solution. But before he does that, he gives us 7,000 years seed. And you will ultimately understand, my way was the right way. Mm-hmm. And blessed are those who accept his way now and say, Lord, your way was always right. I oh. die, you live. Amen. That is, and Paul understood it. Mm-hmm. That is that Galatian is incredible. That life I live now, I live by the faith. faith. Son so. of God lives in me. Amen. Let's pray. Yes, amen. Father, we just thank you, Lord. We just thank you, thank you, thank you, Lord, as we come to the end of this final day of this week tomorrow another day in the land of the living we gather in your house here your people wherever they are gathered is your house we are the temple 
I pray, Father. Prepare us, O Lord, to be in your sanctuary, individually, family-wise. And I pray our hearts will be open. I pray, Father, the words you gave us today were comforting to those who have come through abuse, come through whatever. You are a kind and a compassionate God. Your wounds you give us are to heal us and to change us Mm. because you are a Father. You never whip us because you are angry. Yes, Lord. You chastise us because you love us, O Lord. You are not an earthly father who is drunk or abusive. You are that good, good father. So, Father, we just surrender this time into thy hands, O Lord. Be with us through the night. Prepare us. Let your comfort, your healing, your strength, your power be with everyone who listens today, Lord. Thank you. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. We glorify you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.